This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist, the summer edition. Uh, We'll be back with our usual program on February the 2nd, but today we've got something a little bit different for you. People often want to know what Thomas's origin story is. People, what people, I'm not sure what people want to know that, but apparently some people do. And look, the truth is that after my mother abandoned Thomas in the woods for being such a hairy man-child, he was taken in by a tribe of economists. And that is where he learned how to manipulate spreadsheets with his bare hands and construct macro forecasts out of giraffe poo. Yes, that's right. Um, Look, the idea that he studied economics at the University of Queensland and worked at the RBA is pure fiction, uh, just designed to protect this terrible secret. Anyway, to bolster the credibility of this this amazing cover story, uh, Thomas has somehow convinced the students at the University of Queensland Economic Society to interview him about being an economist and... This is what we have for you today. So think of this as a study of an economist in economics. Uh, I'm sure you're as excited for this as I am. I have listened to it already, and it's actually a really really, uh, fascinating insight into Thomas. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Um, Special thanks to Francisco and the team at uh, the University of Queensland Economic Society and the Worldonomics podcast. And remember, we'll be back with our usual schedule on February the 2nd. Enjoy. Thomas, welcome to the Wordonomics podcast. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, so we've got a bit of a fun question um, before we get started. Um, I think it's very fitting for what's going on at the moment. So if you could compete in any Olympic event, what would you compete in and why? I think gymnastics because those guys are just so cut. They just look amazing. Um, I actually, actually did gymnastics when I was a kid, um, but never never got to that, that level of expertise. But I think there's like a particular mindset that like there's a steel mind that's required to be a gymnast. And I'd kind of love to know what that is. I think my mind's a bit soft and flabby. Um, <laughs> but I'd, love, I'd love to know what the discipline's like to, to be an Olympic gymnast. I'd love to live in those shoes for a day. Yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> that would be that would be mine as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so did you just want to briefly introduce yourself um, for everyone listening? Yeah, great. So yeah, my name's Thomas. Um, yeah, currently hosting the podcast Comedian vs. Economist with my brother. So I'm the economics half of that unit. My brother is a stand-up comedian. Um, 
yeah, and we and we sort of got into that sort of with co- when COVID hit, he was calling me up with a bunch of questions. He's like, "What should I do with my super? What should I bail on the markets? What sh- should I fix my mortgage rate? All these sort of questions." And we're talking it through, and he's like, "Wow, this is really interesting. I think a lot of people would, a lot of my mates would like to know this." And I was like, "Well, we re- we could record it if you like." And uh, he said, that, "Well, that's a podcast." I went, "Oh yeah, that is a podcast." And so we we started a podcast called Minimum Chips, and we did six episodes. Um, and then got picked up by the Equity Mates guys. So Equity Mates uh, Media have a bunch of great uh, investing podcasts, uh, very focused on the markets, on on stocks, and yeah, they kind of like what we were doing. We're sort of bringing a macro flavor. They're they're much more focused on particular stocks, but we we sort of just bring a a look at influences and yeah, been doing that for a bit. I studied at UQ uh, back in studied my studies there in 1995. Um, did an economics and arts degree with a Japanese language degree um, and did my honours there and graduated in 2001 and then went worked to work at the RBA as an economist. So I spent six years there at the RBA and then uh, then went on a colourful journey from there to here. So we were like 15 years. I don't know if we want to catch up on all of that, but that's, that's, that's the basics in, t- in terms of economics. So I guess we'll just start like at the beginning of that journey then. Uh, so what initially motivated you to study economics? Funny story, actually. I, I, I was in year 11 um, and I, was, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought I was maybe going to go into medicine. I thought I'll just keep my options open and I'll do all the physics, chemistry, biology, mass one, mass two, and all of this. And I rocked up to my new school in year 11 and my career counselor sort of, you had to check off to make sure you're hitting all the requirements. And my career counselor went like, whoa, this is, this is a pretty heavy workload. You've cut, cut it out for yourself here. And I was like, oh, is it? And he's like, yeah, you back, back one of those off. Why don't you drop chemistry and do PE? And I, I love sports. So I was like, okay, great. So I did that. And then it turns out that this guy was the PE teacher. And then I was in his class. So he was kind of boosting his own numbers. But if you did chemistry, if you didn't do chemistry one, you couldn't do chemistry two, and then you couldn't do uh, year 12. And so that just, that one decision sort of ruled out medicine. Um, not that I was really that into it. And then I was like, oh, so well, now what am I going to do? And my mum, my mate's mum was teaching economics at high school. And so I picked it up and I just really loved it. I just really loved the the logic of it. I really enjoyed tracking the the influences of, of one thing into another. Um, bring that sort of like looking at that systems level view of of the economy and what's going on. It had a real relevance. We're talking about things I'm hearing about in the news and things that were right there in my face. And um, yeah, so I sort of fell in love with it there, and and that's sort of how I got into economics, and that's what sort of inspired me to pick it up at uni. So when you went into uni and started studying economics, um, did you have any idea of where you wanted to end up? Like, did you structure your degree in any way for a specific job um, or did you just kind of find yourself? Yeah, I was really just following my nose. And I I think what I liked about economics is that it felt like it... um, I could leverage it into a number of different fields. It felt like it's just a good strategic move when I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I could go into the public sector. It seemed to have a lot of value there. Um, I could go into sort of business, um, those sort of fields. Um, it had a, it sort of, it was, there was a focus on numeracy, which I knew was valuable. Um, and I think a lot of organizations, you know, value, value that. It, so it felt like it, felt like it was just going to be a, a, give me options. And I think that's what I was valuing at the time. And then through that, then I just sort of followed my, my interests and with, this, with the sort of course content I picked up. We didn't have a lot of flexibility, but I, I really enjoyed, so really love the sort of philosophy of economics kind of stuff that we, we were able to do. And 
Uh, I did my honors in game theory, which was a lot of fun. So I don't know if there's, there's much of that going on there now, but yeah, that, that was pretty cool. So, and then, but I think, I think the thing I realized once I got out and started working at the RBA was that a lot of what you're doing is really just sort of setting the frameworks of, of knowledge rather than knowledge itself. And a lot of the, you know, I felt like we got a lot of on, a lot of on the job training at the RBA and that really set you up to be a macroeconomist in the, in the public sector. And, and that's where a lot of the work was done in those first years. And so, yeah, I think I really valued the degree because it just set you up for, with a, you know, gave you a lot of options. So you mentioned a few times that it does, it does like a degree in economics and, and Japanese in, in your case um, sort of sets you up with options. How did you end up at the RBA and moving on from the RBA, did you sort of always see yourself doing that at some point or was it like a, like four or five years in and then you're like, maybe I should move on to something else or was it like, I need to get this work experience but I know that at some point I'm going to move on to do my own thing in the world. Yeah, I think so the year before I, before I graduated, I did a summer internship at Bankers Trust, um, which I don't think they exist anymore. They got bought out by Deutsche Bank. Um, they're an investment bank. And I ended up on the trading floor uh, in the foreign exchange unit. And I was there for three months. And in that time, um, someone retired at the age of 25 because they developed chronic asthma and they developed it in three or four months at working on the trading floor. And it was just the pressure had got to them and the guys, they were saying like, yeah, that that happens. Some people can't handle the pressure. And I was like, okay, wow, that, that really isn't for me. Like I'm not going to get into a career that's going to, you know, savage my body like that. Like that's, that's not really what I'm up for. And so when I, when I was at the end of my degree, I got offered three jobs. Um, one was with a management consultancy firm called Bain, if you know those guys. And, and that, that sounded really interesting. The work sounded really interesting, but I but also knew that the hours were like, you know, 80-hour weeks were standard and you're all over the place. And um, I just didn't feel like that was worth it. That wasn't sort of what, what I wanted from life. I, ha- I had other interests that I wanted to explore. I, like I wanted that life balance. Like I've always valued that. And so I felt like I needed something that, that gave, gave, gave me some time for interests outside of that. And then the other two jobs were with, one was with the RBA and the other was the Productivity Commission in Canberra. Um, and at the time I didn't really know, didn't have much to base that on. And then kind of in the end just went with the RBA because it was sexier that I could, you know, reading the AFR, it was, in, you know, there's always an article about the RBA in the paper and it does, it, it controls <clears throat> the price of money. And that's sort of like the key, key oil in the, in the capitalist system. So it's controlling the price. So it really has a, a big influence on, on, on things. Um, and I thought, well, that, that, that sounds cool. That sounds like a, a good place to be on it. I want to go see, check that out and see what's going on there. And then when I got there, it, yeah, it was, it was great. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a big learning curve. You, you, you get trained in the sort of things that they're looking for. It, it's not, I'm not naturally suited to that kind of work. I, I realized. So I loved, I love the big picture, um, big picture thinking. I love the philosophy of economics. I love the sort of broad policy direction, all kind of stuff. With the RBA, it's very slow and meticulous and, and looking, getting right down into granular levels of data and, and getting a really clear picture of things and really taking your time and, and um, you know, being absolutely certain there's no mistakes. And it's just, that's just not sort of how I'm, I'm cut. Um, 
and so that's so that was a good learning curve and um yeah that was that was a good lesson and, and so from there yeah i kind of i stuck it out probably a few more years than i should have in hindsight but I, I, you keep you kind of keep getting bumped around every six months so i started on the labor desk um so in the economics group but they, they sort of so they break down break down the economy into all of its component parts so there i was in the prices wages and labor section and then in, in each section there's a desk and so i started as a graduate on the labor desk um, and so i'm looking at the labor market and all the labor data and then I did that for like, I think six or nine months. And then I went over to wages. And then from there, I went over to the international economy section and did Japan and China. And then from there, I went into the banking section and did uh, domestic banks. Um, and it, and each, each time you move, there's a whole, you get this whole window into, an, into the economy and there's all this stuff was like, wow, I had no idea that there's this much going on and this much level of detail. And it's all really useful and interesting, all this information. Um, and so I kept sort of, I think, sticking it out. And then eventually got into the group that was uh, organizing the G20 meetings back in 2006, I think it was, Australia's host year then, um, part of the secretary. And that was really interesting as well. That was super interesting. So, yeah, it, it, I stuck around a lot because it just kept giving me these great learning opportunities, even though I think, you know, probably, yeah, I'd probably already pretty realized pretty, realized pretty early on that I didn't have a long-term career there. <laughs> 
economics is a, is a is a way of thinking it's a way of thinking of the world it's it's kind of like a language you have all these component parts and you understand how they fit together and what influences what but to th- sort of think logically and to to get it be able to think in numbers um that's sort of the real value of it and then what you then apply that to is kind of almost neither here nor there but it's that that learning how to think and which is why i think university is such an amazing time because you just your job is just to learn how to think. For a lot of our listeners who are obviously uni students and students who are graduating soon and potentially getting into jobs like in the RBA, what would be like a typical day at work? Um, I know it was some time ago, but what would mm. be a typical typical day at work at a place like the RBA? Yeah, it is probably going back a bit now. Like, um, I, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how much it has changed. But I think typically we would monitor the releases coming out. So you have um, the, re- the release schedules. The ABS is publishing particular releases like the Labor Force Survey or uh, Wage Price Index or something like that. So you've you got that on your calendar and you're like, okay, I'm getting ready for that. So when that data drops, um, there's a lot of activity. It's getting picked up in the, in, the, in the financial papers. The investment banks are writing about it. So you're trying to come up with an angle for the executive at the RBA, sort of the, the governors and the assistant governors and everyone reading it. You're trying to come up with some kind of angle on the data that they're not seeing already in the, in the financial papers. So you've, you've kind of got like when the data drops, typically like at 1130, you pull the data down, you get the spreadsheets and you go through it and then you've got to kind of write a report. So you're going to have to have this report almost ready to go and you have to be anticipating the trends and knowing what to look for. So like with labor force, so you've had three, three months in a row of really weak full-time growth. So that's a story. Does that continue this month? Does it not? So you're kind of there anticipating, trying to get ready for this. And I think probably the economics units at the, at the banks would do this as well. Uh, the investment banks and um, retail banks that they, they, they need, you're trying to get ahead of the news cycle almost. And so you sort of need to know the trends. You need to know the stories. You need to know what's important. And then when it, when it drops then you got to pull it in and trying to work with it really quickly and see if the stories you're anticipating are there or they're not. Um, and then writing it up and, and doing the charts and sharing it around. So yeah, so that, that's sort of one part of the job. And then, the, the other part is like then trying to get into like breaking down the data and trying to come up with stories to help help build a, a better understanding. So maybe there's stuff going on in the state level data. So that there's three three months in a row of weak full-time growth. You might break that down and go, oh, look, it's all in New South Wales. And isn't that interesting? So then you kind of share it or you might like, oh, look, it's all in the construction industry. So there's different ways of breaking that down. And then so you're, you're just there trying to feed up knowledge uh, through the through the layers of the RBA to eventually to the uh, to the board and to the governor so they can make that one decision about interest rates but they're so, so they're just like these really hungry beasts at the top of the tree just pulling up all this knowledge and it all gets shared around so everyone like if you, you write the labor force report it goes out to everyone in the economics group and they all get to read it and everyone gets to reflect and you, you kind of need to there's an expectation that you're, you're tracking the whole economy at the same time. So you've, you've got your own picture of the economy and how it's working. Yeah. And then it goes, it goes up. Hmm. So that, that's, that, that was my experience in the early days at the RBA. You've been, you've worked as a tutor and research assistant too. Have you thought about following, pursuing an academic career? I, I did think about it for a while. Um, 
I think again, it was probably a bit slow for, for my, for how I'm cut. Like I'm, I'm kind of a more of a get in, get out kind of guy. I like, I like skimming across the top. I like having a, a broad view. I like how the big broad themes connect. Um, I found sort of that my exposure to the research, it felt like I just could, I don't, I just couldn't see myself holding one area of focus for 12 months at a time to do one report or build a whole career around one niche area of, of some of something. I've got a lot of respect for people who can do that, but I think it's, it's just not me. Yeah. Like I, I like the, yeah, I couldn't, I have, have thought about it, but no, I, don't, I just don't think it's for me. No, that makes sense. <laughs> and after the RBA, uh, I believe you start traveling, right? Or would you mind sharing, sharing a little bit your, about your experiences? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So after, after the RBA, well, towards the end there, I, I had a health scare that um, it put me in hospital for three days. And, and I, I just had this, I did, had no idea what was going on. Um, yeah. I was in hospital hooked up to a bunch of machines and I was just like, I just had this one thought coming back and like, if this is the end of my life, I'm going to be so disappointed that I didn't get out and do all this stuff that I wanted to do. Um, because I'd always, and working with the RBA was cool and it was interesting, but it, like, it wasn't really my passion. I didn't really fit in there super well. And the, and I, there was, I was hungry for all these other experiences and that always just been on the back burner because I'd always been working full time and that's consuming so much of my energy. Yeah. And I just had this feeling like, wow, life is, is really short. I've just got to get out there and, you know, like I could spend the rest of my life at the RBA just kicking along and, and, you know, moving through life like that. And I just thought, I just can't, I just can't do that. I've got to take my shot now. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, yeah. So I, I quit the RBA. Then I joined a cabaret troupe. Um, we're doing like, they're based in Newcastle. We do sort of uh, performance and cabaret kind of stuff that I had a, had a passion for that. That was, that was sort of one of my side interests. Um, yeah. So I, I joined a cabaret troupe and we toured around for a while um, and then, yeah, fell in love with Sufi poetry. So I've always been in a bit of a poetry nut. So I fell in love with Sufi poetry and Rumi in particular, if you know that character. Um, and so I was like, oh, I, gotta, I want to find out what it's about. So then I went to, to Turkey and lived in Istanbul for three years, uh, living with a Sufi community uh, there. And yeah, really just not, um, really just sort of following my nose through that time. I had sort of saved up a bit of money, but sort of just sort of did, a, did odd jobs here and there picked up a couple of shifts at Sydney uni uh, tutoring political economy and worked at a cafe for a bit, things like this. So yeah, just sort of followed my nose for a while and, and yeah, wasn't particularly career focused through that stage, but I had a great time. Sure. Like I would you mind. Hey guys, Adam here again. Uh, look, hope you enjoyed that, uh, that first part of that UQ interview that uh, University of Queensland Economic Society did with Thomas We'll be back next week with part two of that interview. So if you enjoyed today, then make sure you tune in next week. Otherwise, we will definitely be back on February the 2nd. Thomas and myself bringing you more Comedian versus Economist. Look forward to talking to you soon. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast.
For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.